So welcome to the Trauma-Informed Podcast with your host, Jeff Friedman. On today's show, we have Kathy Browse from AttachmentDisorderHealing.com. favorite quote is, and I quote, Too many Americans are spurred to achieve rather than to attach. And that's from one of my favorite books, A General Theory of Love, which is by three psychotherapists. And they diagnose that to be the core of the illness of our society. And that's really a, that's a great quote. Well, I mean, I remember being trained to you got to get the first thing. I, I, think, I think I was being told you got to get the grade from about age five. <laughs> and, and a lot of us get that because people were through the, the war and the depression, the Great Depression before that, and, and, and there's a lot of survival panic. Right. And uh, even today with the competition and kids are starting to listen to baby baby Einstein tapes of, you know, one week and you expect them to be in Harvard at age three, <laughs> everybody's, girls and boys, is it's all achieve, achieve, accumulate, accumulate. And what happened to attach to other human beings? Because that, at the end of our life, as Tara Brock says, over and over, that's what will really matter to us, those moments of attachment and love and human compassion and not our bank account. Beautifully put. So, um, so Kathy, could you uh, tell us where you're calling from and what type of work you're doing these days? Well, I'm from New York City originally. Then we moved our business to Washington, D.C., lived in the D.C. area for 20 years, and Suddenly, in 2006, I up and moved to Orange County, Southern California. And these days, I run a website with resources on attachment disorder. That's my focus, because I've got it bad. And my website is attachmentdisorderhealing.com. I'm writing a book about how I only discovered my very severe attachment trauma after I was over age 50, and how I'm healing. Great. So, so Kathy, can you tell a little bit about your story of trauma and recovery? Well, uh, at about 50, I was a really high performer in business, and I'd never even heard of trauma or given it a thought. And then suddenly I got divorced from a 27-year marriage and found myself divorced, bankrupt, alone, and homeless. And I said to myself, oh, I married a bad man. Now I'll just find a good man. But I started dating, and I only found more and more abusive men. And eventually, I read a book by a Dr. Henry Cloud called How to Make a Date Worth Keeping, which pointed out that I was the common denominator here. <laughs> and I said, oh, something's wrong with me. And, and then, both my parents died, bam, bam, bam. And when my dad died, I couldn't cry. And that was very shocking to me. And I, wow, I'm really sick, I said. And I took myself to therapy. And the joke I was made, if you had ever told me I'd move to California and get a therapist, I would have laughed my patooties off. But I did. However, the problem was I found three very badly trained therapists, and they made me sicker, almost to the point of suicide. And so in in 2009, I quit therapy. So the first thing that does not work is bad therapy. And um, 
please, the title of my book is Don't Try This at Home. I, I do not recommend quitting therapy. I just didn't have the money, and I couldn't find a good one, and they were killing me. But bad therapy also does not work. What uh, so what's you want to hear? What you want to hear? What I did next, or you want to talk about? No, I was wondering why. Um, what about the therapy was bad? Well, they were nice people, but they were all wedded to the inner child theory, which may be very useful for many people out there. But it turned out, which nobody knew, that I did not have an inner child because myself, my personality, actually inside me had never developed past about two days or two weeks. And they kept trying to push this one-size-fits-all inner child theory on me when it was not applicable, and they had me desperately searching for something inside my psyche that did not exist. And they told me that I was screwed up because I couldn't find it, which is not true. So what have you what have you done that's helped what? I'm sorry. Go ahead. Okay, great. So what have you done that has helped you with your trauma and what did not work? Well, as I say, bad therapy does not work. But um, then I got something which does work. It's called the Grief Recovery Handbook. And that instructs us very beautifully how to um, actually address grief, that it's important to even think that we have it. And particularly, it has us read, write and read letters to a grief partner, to another human being who can give us compassion. And they sit there and they hear these letters that are about what's hurting us emotionally. And so I read, I thought, okay, I'll read letters about my 27-year marriage and then I'll be healed and I can go back to dating and I'll be fine. So I read letters about my marriage for two years and I wasn't healed. I only got more and more pain. And I realized later that regressed me back to about the age of when I met my ex at 18. And then I said, okay, I still can't cry about my dad's death. Let me write and read some letters about my dad. And I did that for about a year, and that regressed me back to about age five. And then under that, there was still more pain. And the further back I went, all I could find, I did not get healed. I just found more and more pain. And finally, I read letters about my mom. And I accidentally regressed myself back to infancy. And uh, the details are on my site, attachmentdisorderhealing.com. Uh, check out the new book tab and then the preface, The Silent Epidemic, because I think that maybe 20% of people out there have this serious infant attachment disorder and we know from the ACE study that almost 50% of people have some form of childhood trauma, and, and most people are not aware of it. Uh, how come you think most are unaware of it? Well, obviously, the, those who have been beaten and raped and so forth know about it, but many people just think abusive parenting is how it's done. Right. Or if they've been left, and my problem wasn't so much abusive parenting as no parenting. My parents were just doing something else. So there was more of a neglectful situation. Yeah, it was. Um, well, I want to get back to what didn't, didn't work for trauma, but um, I, my, my mother did not want the baby, and she was so irate, and in general she was a quite emotionally frantic person all her life because she got no parenting from her mother. She didn't want to be pregnant. She didn't want to be married, and she was so 
frisked out about being pregnant that she came down with this dreadful infection that nearly killed us both, and I had to be removed by C-section and shoved into an incubator. And that is a horrible thing. We yeah. now know that can really destroy babies. And I was in there for Lord knows how many weeks in an era when they used to give the babies phenobarbital to shut them up because nobody held them and you just kept crying until you went into a state of shock. And then when I came home, this woman who didn't want a baby was stuck with a hysterically crying baby and she didn't have phenobarbital, so she put me in a back room in a crib with a stuffed cat. And I was raised by a stuffed cat. No abuse, but the neglect was severe. Right. So back to your question, what have you done that's helped with trauma and what didn't work? As I was regressing myself further back in time, I discovered that I was maybe two weeks old inside. And it was just terrifying. I was completely terrifying. So this time I did a huge amount of research on exactly what kind of therapist I needed because I, I, I realized I just could not go this alone anymore. So by now it's 2011. It's two years of terror. And I found a really good attachment therapist, and I went back to therapy in 2011. And that's why my book is entitled, Don't Try This at Home. Please don't go it alone. What works is get a qualified attachment therapist, but please do your research and make sure you found a good one. And then second, like I said, this grief recovery handbook worked beautifully to get rid of all the things that were, to get rid of what I'll call denial. It was like when I started this in 2009, it was like I had 40 years of rocks of denial on my soul. And by reading those letters, I nuked, I nuked them. <laughs> and, but I kept going further and further back. So the grief recovery handbook, if I had done it with a supervised, with a, with a good therapist, that would have been great. But I did it unsupervised. That was, and then the third thing, which really gave me the recovery and the healing that I needed is body work. And I did, there are a couple of brands of this. Uh, Dr. Pat Ogden, O-G-D-E-N, is wonderful also. But the one I stumbled on and used and love it is Dr. Peter A. Levine's Somatic Experiencing, he calls me, he calls it. And it's like psychosomatic, means experiencing what the heck is going on in your body. So for the details on body work and what I did, uh, please go to attachmentdisorderhealing.com. And on the fifth tab from the left, you'll see Featured Topics. And if you click that, you will see a sub-tab. And then sub-tab number four is on that grief handbook. And then under that, sub-tab number five is Healing with Body Work. And that will give you links to videos by Dr. Levine and books and all kinds of good stuff. Okay, thanks. Thank you for that. Uh, what what other advice would you give to others that are dealing with their own trauma? Well, I'm not a therapist, so I don't give advice, but I can only say what I learned. Don't, don't, don't try this at home. I put my last nickel, and I didn't have much, into a good attachment therapist. Um, second, later I discovered something called the adult attachment interview, and I wish I'd known be given that before my therapy started to, so that the therapist could find out scientifically how bad my trauma is and what type of my trauma is. It would be really good to know more about that before starting therapy. And there's a tab on my blog for that. Um, uh, the fourth tab, blogs, and then there's a 
blog on the adult attachment interview. Um, then there's the grief handbook that worked really well to get rid of my denial. And here's the point. Body work, if you have trauma, don't kid yourself. You've got to do body work. And by this, I do not mean only reading books about body work. And yes, you've got to read them. But you've got to pick one. Don't, don't try to mix up 20 different kinds of body work. There's, there's Peter Levine's Somatic Experiencing. There's Pat Ogden's. There's um, another guy, David Bernoulli, out there has people uh, doing, um, I forget what, it, what he calls it, but it's, it's um, actual traumatic exercises with the body. And those work. But if you try to mix all three of them up, if you try to take three different roads to Rome, the singing teachers say, you will end up in London. You pick one, read about it, and then, here's what I really want to tell you, you cannot just read books. Singing, getting up and singing, is different from just reading a book about singing. And reading a book about sex, well, you know, it's different from... <laughs> so you need to physically do the body work and, and not hide in books, which we tend to do. And the other thing is, remember, I, body work probably won't get through to you if you've got a ton of denial. If you're over 30 or 40 and you've got years have gone, decades have gone by where you have not worked on this stuff, the body work may go in one ear and out the other unless you do something like the grief handbook to get the, get rid of the denial first. Did, uh, you, you referred to some other body work. Did you ever do the uh, trauma-releasing exercises? Is that what you were yeah, referring oh, yes, to? Yes, that's the David Bernoulli, is it? Yes, and they're wonderful. I love them. But I don't know if starting with them would have They're great for me now. But I needed that Levine course. Do you ever experience that shaking? Always. Yeah? I experienced shaking from the very first track on Levine CD. Wow. It was astonishing. My, I, I tried it at home because uh, I didn't, didn't want to, thought, oh, well, I won't waste, what's the big deal? I'll listen to the guy's CD. And, but Levine says in there, either do it with a therapist or do it, do it with a friend. Have a, another human mammal present. There's that a mammalian attachment again. We've got to have mammals to be safe, people. Don't, don't achieve, attach. And uh, so I, I followed the Levine's directions, and I had a friend in the living room, and I just started the very first exercise, and my whole body became trembling and shaping, and I said to my friend, I've got to go out jogging, and it was like 11 o'clock at night, and I was afraid, I felt so violent, I was afraid I'd fall and break a bone. So I got on my Stairmaster machine that I have in my living room, and I beat the the Jesus out of that machine, the violent explosion in my body was astonishing. And when I was done, I was doing full body sobbing and shaking like anything you've ever seen on a David Bernoulli video. Wow. Just like the, and I didn't see the polar bear video until after that, but it's just like what happens in that polar bear video. If you, do you want to, do you know what I'm talking about? Do you want more on that? No, I don't. Uh, I, I think um, I can imagine because I know it's a, uh, a primitive kind of a uh, way of releasing trauma like other animals, but I'm not familiar with the uh, the polar bear video. Well, I, I I don't want to give a whole class on Peter Levine here, but actually Peter Levine has been at this for 40 years, and David Bernoulli is drawing upon his, Levine's research, which is final, but I wish that Bernoulli would acknowledge that. But Peter Levine discovered 
he was studying trauma really seriously, and he said, well, why is it that how do animals in the wild survive trauma? Why aren't they all dead? You know, because when, when, when humans get trauma, they get very sick and they die very frequently early. And so Levine actually looked into this, and he found out that animals are able to come out of trauma through a procedure of trembling and shaking and recapitulating in their nervous system and their muscles what was happening to them before they got, went into shock. And he has an example, and it's, there's a link on my website to it on my uh, body work page. This is, Levine has made this video famous, and Bernoulli shows this video all the time. Um, and it's a, it's a video of um, three wildlife rangers up in Alaska trying to um, hunt a, a giant polar bear with a dart gun so they can anesthetize it and tag it and take good care of it. And there's no harm is done to the animal. But the bear doesn't know any of this, and there's this chopper in back of it, and the bear's running furiously and also throwing its head over its back, looking in back of it and making biting motions. So the bear is in full-out fight flight, and they shoot it with the tranquilizer, and the bear, you know, goes into shock, essentially. And then they w keep the camera on, and when the bear comes out of the medication, it's lying on its back, and you can see it recapitulating the running. Its legs are running in the air. Its mouth is biting. Its head is turning to the side again. And when it's through discharging, and that's the word, all of this excess trauma from the body, because trauma gets into the body. It's not just in your head. It gets into the body very thoroughly. Well, but, but that's, that's a good point. No, I, I definitely agree with it. But I think it's also part of it because you're um – so I think people don't often think about your, you have your uh, central nervous system, then you have your peripheral nerve, nervous system. So it's, and you have, there's also talked about a lot now that you have more uh, serotonin receptors in your, uh, your stomach than you do in your brain. So this, uh, that, that gut brain connection is another big uh, topic related to people's well, moods and behavior. Well, you know, recently Dr. Bessel van der Kolk, MD, is one of the, big guys in trauma right up there was Levine and Dr. Uh, Bruce Perry, MD. Recently, Bessel van der Kolk's come out with a very well-received book called The Body Bears the Score. Excuse me, The Body Keeps the Score. Right. And the yeah. whole book is about how trauma is primarily lodged in the body. But, but, but we just, often just deal with this. Let me just complete this thought on the polar bear. So the bear is running and violently running and violently jamming its head around. That's me on the Stairmaster, right? Right. Running from my mother who was torturing me, and which I didn't know until I saw this video. And then after that, the bear starts to, starts to heave involuntary, gigantic deep breaths, which is very audible if you listen to the video. And then and he gets a rise in body temperature, and then... The bear feels great, and he goes off about his business. He, and the trauma doesn't stay stuck in his body because he did this discharge, which has, again, three elements. The one is the recapitulation of the fight-flight we were in before we got into traumatic freeze. Number two is the, um, the uh, deep breathing, and number three is elevated body temperature. And I had never seen this video, and I didn't know what was going to happen when I did that first Levine track of his first track of the CD. But all of that happened to me right away. 
and I felt like a million bucks afterwards. And then when I saw the video, about two weeks later, I started calling this the polar bear dance. And then Levine did research. He went to Africa. He talked to big game wardens, and they all said when an animal gets sick and gets well, they have to do this three things. They have to do this procedure or they'll die. So animals do this routinely, mammals largely, but we, with our, we have developed our big thinking cortical primate thinking brain, and we're afraid to do all that, and we repress it, and we don't do it, and the trauma stays in our bodies until someone like Levine or Van der Kolk or Bruce Perry comes along and shows us how to discharge it. So can you talk a little bit about uh, the effect that inter intergenerational trauma played in your life? Well, yeah. You, you, um, sadly, my mom's mother did not show her how to calm because, as you know, babies are born with uh, what they call the limbic driver on. When a baby's born, it's in a lot of pain, and it's, it's, if things are unfamiliar, and there's suddenly there's bright lights where it was dark, and it's cold where it was warm, and <gasps> what's this junk in my lungs, says Bruce Perry, and baby's terrified, and so its fear systems go bananas. And the job of the mom or some adult is to come and pick up the baby and try to replicate that feeling in the womb of being warm and cared for and held, and to show the baby by being able to become themselves. See, the adult must have the capacity to become with the baby, and they're not lecturing the baby or giving it a pamphlet. They're showing it physically by holding it on their body that it's safe and you can calm down. And that's how babies learn to stop crying. But my mom's mom didn't show my mom how to do that when my mom was an infant, and my grandmother's mom didn't show my grandmother to do that when my grandmother was an infant. And I've tracked it in my family back to the 1800s. It's called intergenerational trauma. Can you speak a little bit about how, because of that, that you're not satisfied with programs that, that just address the uh, trauma in the child? Well, gosh, we've got a lot of child trauma, and like I said, I hope everybody here is familiar with the ACE study, Adverse Childhood Experiences, and if you go to my homepage, uh, you will see a pretty colored pyramid on the right-hand side. Click on that, and that will tell you about the Adverse Childhood Experiences study, and again, my site is attachmentdisorderhealing.com. But that study, has, which is done by Kaiser Permanente on over 17,000 HMO, ordinary medical insurance clients, showed that almost 50% of them had some form of child trauma. And so I'm very much in favor of programs to heal child trauma, but we need other things because almost half the parent-age people out there have themselves experienced some degree of childhood trauma. So it's baked into their brain cells and into their bodies to pass it on. And in some way, they will probably not do the necessary holding and attuning to the child that the child needs to have a really good brain development feeling like it's in a safe environment. So until we have mass-based trauma healing progr programs for adults, 
I mean, at least for childbearing aged adults between 20 and 40, although I don't think we should throw people over 40 in the junkie fever, but I, well, people over 40 aren't having babies too much, but we can't stop the cycle with, without trauma program healings for childbearing adults. You, you can't just hand a young couple a book and say, carry your baby in front. If well, they got to uh, do. They got to explore their own trauma history, which they probably have one, as you know. Yeah, they don't. They don't even know they have it. Or if they did have it, they may say, "I don't have the money for therapy or the time." And they're both working and they're running around like crazy people, trying to keep a roof over their head and the baby. But the fact is, if they're deeply wounded, they don't have the biological capacity to attune to another human being. And 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 they're they're going to get they're going to hurt babies and and other people until they get real emotional healing. So that's why the society has got to look into healing programs for childbearing age adults, and many of whom can't afford it on their own because they're young couples; they don't have a cent. Well, like uh, the the phrase that hurt people often go to hurt other people. Yeah, hurting people hurt people. Yep. So I know you have a lot of different books and, and resources that have helped you. What what uh, particular books would you recommend to others that are dealing with trauma? Well, I want to mention some videos, too, because I know that some of the latest research is not even in books yet, and also people love videos. So let me start by recommending Dr. Alan Shore. I just cannot recommend him more highly. His books are very technical, and they may frighten anybody who does not have a Ph.D., but he's got a great video out there. Uh, it's his September 2014 Oslo speech, The Most Important Years. And it's about what he calls the first thousand days from conception when the sperm hits the egg to the end of the second year, 24 months. And he says that um, babies are born screaming in pain because they need an adult to come with an emotional brain to show us Someone cares, I can relax. And Shore wrote in the 1990s that this mother's love actually creates the neural networks in a baby's brain without which the baby can't learn to calm down. And it was very bold, but now brain scans exist that have proven this in the last five years, and he goes through all the proof in the brain scans in this video. And then he says that, you know, developmental trauma is when no adult showed us how to calm down, so we never developed a decent, right emotional brain. And, in fact, he says the infant emotions can still be crying deep inside us at, you know, 50, 60, 80, 90, and that that is the cause of our anxiety, fear, and anger, and misery. And um, if you... You could Google uh, Alan Shore, The Most Important Years, or go to my site, Attachment Disorder Healing, and look at the sub and go to my resources tab, and there's a sub tab on audios and videos, and there's a link right there. Um, and to, then I have healing tools on my website. On my resource tab, there's a sub tab called Healing Tools. And, and by the way, I am sorry to keep mentioning my website, but actually I was forced to build it, and it's, it's taken me away from completing my book, but I had to build it because I just couldn't find this information centralized anywhere else. 
And uh, my home page has had over 40,000 hits, and I've got like 50,000 hits on all the other pages because there's a lot of content. So the healing tools, that, and I'm still using these to this day, include neurofeedback, which is a fantastic thing. It's a, a computer program that therapists use to train clients to calm their brain waves. Any particular and, uh, style of neurofeedback you're doing? Well, you know, I actually have been lucky enough to have an email correspondence with Seaburn C- Fisher, who is the, one of the earliest proponents of this and the, one of the leading specialists. And she says, as long as the therapist has been trained in attachment therapy and has had a decent amount of neurofeedback training, there are different brands of machines out there, but they're all going to train the same part of your brain. The key thing is to find a therapist to do it if you possibly can and to have that therapist not just be a mechanical engineer who's going to hook you up to a machine. The therapist has to know how to also do attachment with you and then he's going to use the machine to calm down your fear so you can attach to him more. And um, if you want to know the names of the different machines, please go to my blog page on uh, attachmentdisorderhealing.com and under blogs, you can go down and see my blog on neurofeedback, and it's got a complete rundown uh, on that. And it's got links to a fantastic radio interview with this lady, wonderful lady, Seaburn Fisher, uh, on shrink wrap radio. And that, that just made me cry, the way she described how necessary love and attachment are to the creation of a human brain. Now, Jeffrey, I don't want to ride roughshod over you. Shall I go through some more tools? Do you want to talk about other things first? Uh, let's see. Well, how about... Just why don't you ask me, what are your other tools? What are your other tools that you found useful? Well, there's EMDR, which is eye motion desensitization and reprocessing which is a fantastic thing, and you can even use that a little bit at home, or you can use it with a therapist, and that's on my Healing Tools blog, and I use it all the time, uh, my Healing Tools page. Then there's tapping, also known as Emotional Freedom Technique, or EFT, where we very simply tap on nine of the body's acupuncture points, and it is an absolutely fantastic aid in calming down and even just getting to sleep. In fact, I was tapping this morning because I was very angry at someone and I didn't want the anger to get locked in my body, and I released all of it in 20 minutes of tapping. And the third, and really the most, the fourth, sorry, so neurofeedback, EMDR tapping. The fourth, I really feel is the most important thing is meditation. Ultimately, meditation is where everybody needs to go to fully heal because that's how we develop a, a fully formed right brain that we that got harmed in development in the course of trauma and we can really feel the love of God or the love of other people or the being at one with the universe. And you can feel that. It's not nonsense, but it may take years, and that's why I advise doing all these other things first, and don't just sit down to meditate. In fact, meditation for somebody with infant trauma like me could be completely terrified, terrifying. So I urge you to, you know, read about meditation. You want to get there, but it might not be the very first thing to do. So on those tools, check again on my Healing Tools tab, and then um, 
Yeah, on the, on the books, um, General Theory of Love. Also, on my resources tab, look for the subtab on books, because uh, otherwise this could go by too fast. There's General Theory of Love, which is a wonderful book about how the human brain works, uh, without which you really cannot understand why we need other mammals to be with us and love us. And then there's that Grief Recovery Handbook. And then there's Peter Levine's book. And then there's The Body Keeps the Score by Dr. Bessel van der Kolk. And lastly, I want to mention a beautiful book, Changes That Heal, by Dr. Henry Cloud, who is a Christian therapist. And it is half of it is quotes from scripture. But I don't care if you're a Buddhist or a Jew or whatever you are. That book, if you just read it, you will learn enormous amounts about love. And uh, it's a wonderful book. So those are my tools. I'm done with tools. <laughs> I was curious, have you ever been on a, um, a meditation retreat? I have. I did what's called Siddha Yoga for many years and still do, even though I am a Christian. Did um, uh, How was that experience for you? It was fantastic. It was fantastic, and I still I try to meditate all the time. It's just um, I've got so many other of these healing tools I have to do that sometimes I don't get to my meditation every day. But what happened was my sister gave me this book, Eat, Pray, Love, by Liz Gilbert, a very famous book, and everybody who's read it or seen the movie knows that the pray part, which is a third of the book, is she goes to meditate in an ashram in India. And she does not reveal which brand it was, but I am because my friends in City Yoga think it's fine for me to do so. And it's called S-I-D-D-T-H-A Yoga, and they do have places you can go to do it around the country. And it's a fantastic thing because there is singing and chanting as well as meditation. And music, we now know from Dr. Bruce Perry, MD, is a huge way to calm fear in our brain. And so we chant for 20 or 30 minutes, and then we meditate for 20 or 30 minutes. And the other thing that's fabulous about it is that you're meditating in a group. With my deep infant trauma, I tried once. I took off from work five days and went on, went, stayed, did a stay-home vacation, and I called it, I'm going on my meditation vacation. Within an hour of trying to meditate alone, I was on the phone to my therapist, terrified, crying like a baby. I couldn't do it. When we have... Attachment trauma, we need other people, other mammals to be present because meditation takes us deep into our souls. Yeah, I heard something recently about how meditation can uh, help uh, repair the amygdala, the, the fear center of the brain as well. There is a great deal of literature on that. Dr. Daniel Siegel, MD, has written numbers of books on that. Um, uh, there is a fabulous uh, therapist out in Maryland, Dr. Tara Brock, B-R-A-C-H. She's got hundreds of YouTube videos. Each one of them will knock your socks off. And um, on, on my um, resources page, if you look on my healing tools page, if you go down to meditation, you will find how to meditate videos, meditation 101 videos by Tara Brock, and they are the best. But on the subject you just mentioned, yes, um, it's been brain scans, according to the research of Dan Siegel and several others, have now shown that meditation can heal the field-driven amygdala and it can also grow our hippocampus, which we need 
to keep that amygdala calm, but it does take years. And if we have a lot of trauma at first, it's terribly scary to go in there with all that fear. Yeah. So we have to be prudent about it and do it with others and do it under attachment therapist supervision if we have a lot of infant trauma. If if you had a great childhood and then your parents died at 10 and you've got, you know, tween trauma, maybe you can meditate right away. I don't know. Well, I've heard other people have said also that that neurofeedback helps to um, is kind of like meditation on steroids. I was wondering what your opinion on that is. Well, I, I it does. I don't think anybody should give up the joy of meditation just because a computer might give you some of the benefits, which I am sure it does. And um, I guess I can tell your listeners I just started neurofeedback and I'm on my tenth session and I love it. Um, but that's early in the game. But I do, I love it. I feel fabulous after a neurofeedback session. Um, but meditation, I think, will do additional things to neurofeedback. But if we have especially trauma under the age of three, if the parents didn't come or, they, or, or if when we cried they threw us against the wall, which Seaburn Fisher's uh, patients have reported parents doing to her patients, or if they didn't come and hold us and whatever they did, or if we were born in an orphanage and adopted by wonderful parents at age three, sorry, important maybe is, you know, even terrorism. Because if, if half of us are sick, and maybe this is why we have all the school shootings and the, it doesn't seem to be safe half the time to even go outdoors in the country anymore. Yeah, I think I'd like uh, the next school shooting to uh, to prompt a conversation about trauma and ACEs. That would go towards uh, dementia. I, I, I totally agree with your brain. And I think that there's large numbers of people in exactly my situation. And let's remember, I did not even know I had an emotional illness until I was well over 50 years old. I just thought I was a high-achieving, high-performing, smart girl. But you were. Think about it. I were, but I was emotionally about two years old or two weeks old. Now think about all the people in high places, in the Congress, in the government, in corporations, who are probably just like me. Right. You brought that up before, and I'm glad you brought it up again because you know it's a great point, and that that could be more the source of. Uh, a lot of these problems, rather than uh, like I brought up before, the idea of capitalism. It could be more about these people that are that have uh, that have been able to achieve well, but they're uh, but they're lacking in this emotional uh, emotional growth component. That, that's why I don't like to get into isms, you know, yeah. I'm, because it could, this can go on in any society. It could go on in a Middle Eastern culture where. I don't know how, the, how well they treat babies there. It could go on in Israel. It could go on in Europe. It could go on here. And I bet it does. Yeah. Because, and that's, I believe, that's why I am so, uh, I really think everybody ought to read about the ACE study. And, again, you can find it easily. There's a blog on my website right on my front page, attachmentdisorderhealing.com. Click on the pretty colored ACE pyramid, and you will not believe what's in there. But, um Close to 50% of everybody in this country, and also these tests have been run in Europe, and I, I don't think they've been able to run it in other cultures like China yet, but they have run them in Japan. The trauma rate is much higher than anybody suspects, 
And um, I am very sure that this is why people in government and corporations in particular do not make compassionate decisions. Right. I mean, I tried to be compassionate just because I knew I was desperate for love, but not not all the people who with a big left brain that didn't get any love as kids are compassionate. A lot of them just want to kill or, or control other people because they're so angry at what they're missing. And, they, and, right. and, and, and infants get very angry when you don't hold them. As well they might, because if nobody holds them, they could die. The, the problem comes when that emotional mindset is still driving somebody and they're like, you know, a senator or <laughs> Donald Trump or whatever. Maybe that explains his haircut. I don't know. So, well, well, thanks a lot for uh, exploring these topics with me today, Kathy. And uh, what what do you see? What is the hope that you have for the future of our? Uh, if we uh, if more people are educated about trauma and aces. I, I my hope is that people will become more loving and compassionate, and that. Um, Alan Shore, at the towards the end of that Oslo speech that I mentioned, and, and please, people, if you listen to any video as a result of this, go to my resources tab and go to my audio video tab. It's attachmentdisorderhealing.com, and listen to this Alan Shore speech. And at the end, he points out that UNICEF, which is an international organization, put out a report in 2013 on. What he's writing about, it's amazing. It seems to be a great report. I have not read it, but the conclusion of that report is that in every country, we need to begin allocating resources not based on what's good for business, not based on what's good for government, and not even based on what's good for the adults, but what's based on what's good for infants. And that's huge. And so I see um, now that neuroscience has backed up Dr. Shore's conclusions from the 90s, I see that more and more it will become understood that trauma is uh, something that's got to be remediated on a widespread level, that, that we've got to put large amounts of resources into, make, uh, into educating and also healing childbearing age people so they don't pass the trauma on. So that's my hope, that some combination of science and love where we just, you know, recognize that it's a lack of love that drives us to do bad stuff, like shoot up a school. We get the kids who are behaving badly in schools into some kind of good healing program before they ever come to that kind of a dead end. Right, and I really think it's going to take uh, us to respond as a society to really... Uh to affect change in this in this arena. Well, that's that's why I'm hoping we could start getting reports on a national level like that UNICEF report to actually, you know, say, okay, look, people, we have to start spending tax dollars on this because otherwise there will be terrorism and there will be school shootings and we can't just bomb everybody. What we need is healing. Yeah. And that costs money. So where are we focusing our resources? What are our priorities? What about making sure that children, especially infants, are not traumatized but are loved? 
But it also, I mean, if you look at the ACE study, it goes up until the age of 18. It's just, it's not just infants. So, but, it, but I, I agree with you. The, uh, the infant age is much more, the brain is more critical. It's a, a critical I, period. Of course. It, actually, it goes throughout the lifespan. True. The, problem, the problem is that when the brain's developing between conception and age two, if they don't get it then, that brain is very fried. Right. And it's going to take $100 more to fix it than it would, would have to not get it fried in the first place. Right. It's going to take 100 times the money to fix it. That's what's in our prison. That's what that's what's in our prison systems. What if we could close them all because those kids didn't do that kind of stuff? That's what Seaburn Fisher says that children, school age children, are being given eighty six billion dollars a year, billion dollars a year in calm down psychomedicines. Yeah, but I mean, what we could go, go off another tangent, but the but uh, well, we, we should stop soon, otherwise <laughs> no one's going to listen to our podcast because it'll be too long. But. The point is allocation of resources. Yeah. So, I'm, um, sure you, I'm sure you're going to say that we should not medicate people, and I, of course, agree with that. They've got to be treated with love. Well, I mean, the, the medications have a place, but uh, they're but yes. you can't. Yes. Uh, but they're very tied to the corporate, uh, the profiting from corporations. That's that's the uh, the issue I have with it. It's not really transparent about what they do and what they don't do and the the, uh, right. the effects they have. Right, but they're going to keep doing that. Corporations are going to keep selling stuff to make money, even though it's not good for people really. And congressmen are going to keep letting that be legal. And the FDA is going to keep not until the people that run all those things get their own emotional problems healed and become a little bit more compassionate. No, that's a great point. That is a yeah home run point. We can't uh, we can't stop it by passing laws against it because Congress is full of people that aren't going to pass laws against it because they're very very expensive campaigns are paid for by the drug companies. Right. Well, then you can go with the prison things that they're also, well, they're also funded by big corporations and they're profiting off of prisons. So again, I, I, there's endless things to get angry about, but. If we have, if let's focus a little bit on the positive. What we need is the research, this overwhelming research, to be promulgated everywhere. And you're doing a great job with your podcast and your practice. You just get out the research. You know, maybe you could get this UNICEF report and write a blog on it. That would be great. Listen to the Alan Shore podcast. Okay. Somebody should write a blog on that UNICEF report and say, why don't we have this report in the U.S.? You know, and they should have it in England, and they should have it here and there, and maybe then they'll have one in Saudi Arabia, and people will stop bombing each other. There's just mass ignorance out there. Yeah. But I mean, the way I sort of uh, look at trauma is that it's the uh, the Ackman's razor of a lot of things. That it's sort of it's this big issue that's connected to so many other symptoms. That if we really address trauma, that a lot of other things will be better off. Amen. But it's so big that we have to address national resources to it. If we can spend $86 billion on drugs to, to dope kids up so that they don't bug the teacher, we can spend something on studies like that uh, UNICEF report and on opening clinics to help these kids learn to feel loved instead of drugging them. Thank you, Kathy Browse, for joining me on this wonderful exploration. I really appreciate all the great work you're doing 
with your website, attachmenthealingdisorder.com. It was a pleasure.